Hi, everybody. I'm Joshua Danziger. And I'm Ethan Canfield. Today is Thursday, May 27th, 2021. And this is The Young Perspective, where we talk about America's biggest political and social dilemmas from the eyes of two high schoolers. Welcome back to another episode of The Young Perspective, listeners. We are excited to have you back. You know, this is kind of a a meaningful one to Ethan and us. Today, we're discussing the coronavirus once again. Um, And we started this podcast about a month or two before the coronavirus showed up in the the country and became a big thing. And we've been covering it from, from the beginning, since February of 2020, which is earlier than most people. So we're feeling kind of connected to it. And all the episodes we've done prior to today's have been pretty negative about how it's spreading. But today's is the first episode about COVID where it is positive news, where cases are lowering, where the world is becoming less COVID-ridden. It seems like we're finally at the end of this tunnel, though it's not over, but it seems like things are starting to get maybe just a little bit better. So let's talk about it. So one of the biggest indicators of this is the daily case count. Right now, you know, May 27th, there are about 23,000 reported cases a day. That is way down. That is way, way, way down from the January peak of 235,000 reported wow. cases a day. And now we're about at about 500 deaths a day. So this is way, way down. Um, and it seems like every single day now, cases are continually decreasing. And this is attributed largely to the vaccine. Really is. With Pfizer and Moderna and, and even Johnson & Johnson, which is starting to get back into production, it feels like things are starting to get better. We've have now, we now have about 40% of the population fully vaccinated, which is about 130 million people. And about 50% of our population in America has received at least one dose. So obviously, we need two doses for Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, for Johnson & Johnson, you only need one, but not many Americans have received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So we can say for, uh, that about those 50% of Americans who have received at least one dose, it's better than nothing. But we hope some of them who have only got one dose will get their second dose as well. We're actually part of that 50%, Josh and I, because we're 15, we weren't able to get... Uh, a shot before the past few weeks, but when the FDA approved it for us and the CDC approved the Pfizer vaccine for 12 to 15 year olds, we were able to get it. And now we're going to get our second dose uh, in just a week now. June 2nd, I am very excited. And in two weeks after June 2nd, Ethan and I will be fully vaccinated because it for the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, the two dose vaccines, you are considered fully vaccinated two weeks after your second dose. This also goes for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It's only one dose, but you're also considered fully vaccinated two weeks after uh, that that dose. Um, In this time, during after the first dose and after the second dose, the mRNA is uh, infiltrating your cells and your body is learning how to fight the d- disease in an effective way. Uh, and in, in an effective way against many, many of the variants, the Brazil variant, the South Africa variant, the English variant, most of the vaccines are doing pretty well against these variants, um, which, which is looking good overall. They really are. And it's really showing that they're very effective, the vaccines, and they're very effective at preventing severe COVID. So even if you do get it after getting the vaccine, 
you're not going to go to the hospital. You're not going to die. Hopefully not. The chances of that are very, very, very slim. And also we found out that the chances of spreading COVID to someone else is very, very slim. So it's very important you get your vaccine to protect yourself and to protect others. The vaccines are a big part of ending this virus, but originally many people thought that the herd immunity gained by the vaccines would be the end to this virus, right? They thought that about 60 to 70% of the population would get vaccinated. That would be enough of the population that had the vaccine for the virus to just disappear after that um, because there wouldn't be enough community spread. Right now, it's looking like we're not going to reach that herd immunity number for the, the, the pandemic to stop. Right. Uh, and just if you don't know, herd immunity, that's when uh, a certain population, a certain threshold of that population becomes immune to a disease or, disease or virus, usually through vaccinations. And so for COVID, we originally thought that would be 60 to 70%. And once we hit that number, basically the virus wouldn't be able to infect enough people to stay alive, uh, and mutate, and eventually it would die out or not become uh, effective, really. But we've now realizing, we're now realizing that it's not looking like that's going to happen. A lot of experts are saying that it's going to be impossible or very highly improbable that we're going to reach herd immunity anytime soon. And this has to do for a few reasons. First of all, it has to do with the fact that only 40% of our population is vaccinated. We haven't reached 60% and vaccination rates are starting, starting to slow down. Hopefully with uh, 12 to 15 year olds now being vaccinated, that number will increase. And as more kids get to get vaccinated, that number will also increase and hopefully just more adults to get it. But we might not even get to 60 or 70% anytime soon. And this is because a lot of people are apprehensive about getting the vaccine, um, specifically younger people in the 40 and below range who are at less chance of severe disease or death. They really aren't as scared of, of the disease as older populations. Therefore, they're like, less likely to get the vaccine. You also have a lot of conspiracy theories going around, like the, the, the unfactual incorrect theory that they're microchipping people with the vaccine or that the vaccine is magnetic. There's a theory that you can put a magnet up to your, um, your vaccination spot, or no, you can put like metal up to the vaccination spot and things will stick to it because there's metal in there, um, in, in the vaccine. It's all BS. People are scared to get the vaccine because they're scared of new things or for whatever reason. But it's very, it is very important that more people get the vaccine in order to stop the pandemic. And to do that, local and state governments are offering incentives. Uh, I watched on the news today, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said that they would be offering um, five or something like 50 or something full scholarships to a public university in the United States to New York uh, students from ages 12 to 17 if they got their vaccine. They're offering these huge scholarships. Um, a couple of states, Ohio is one of them, is offering a lottery up to a million dollars. If you get the vaccine, you're entered into a lottery to win a million dollars and five people win a million dollars each month. These are huge incentives, which hopefully are increasing vaccination numbers. Right. And it's really smart because the amount of money they save by getting rid of COVID uh, and opening back up the economy because of this is immensely uh, uncomparable to just the a million dollars or a couple hundred thousand dollars they're losing from these, uh, from these incentives, from these incentives. But another reason why we're not going to reach herd immunity has to do with the new variants that are uh, circling around in the U.S. The, no, the now, now the predominant variant that's in the U.S. is the B117 variant. That's the British variant. Uh, and it's a lot more contagious than our previous variants. And so this now actually has increased our herd immunity uh, threshold to 80% of the population, which just makes it even harder to reach. 
Um, and even if 80% of the U.S. is vaccinated, that doesn't mean America is vaccinated, uh, is distributed, has its vaccines evenly. There could be cities with, you know, 99% of its vaccination rates uh, and those with only 20%. Uh, it's not going to be even. And so small towns that have less vaccination rates, they're going to be hit with COVID just as hard as they were before. Uh, and so it's impossible to really say that all of America uh, has met that threshold because it's not going to be even. There are going to be places where it's going to meet that threshold and there are going to be places that doesn't meet that. So maybe, you know, certain communities will reach herd immunity, but not the entire country. We're going to be shifting a little bit to the mask mandates. A couple of weeks ago, the CDC eased mask mandates because of uh, increasing vaccination numbers. But there's one stipulation. The mask mandates are eased for people who are fully vaccinated. So that means for people who have two weeks after their second dose or first dose for the J&J vaccine. So the new, the new mandate says that you do not have to wear a mask outside. Um, and if you're in a group with other vaccinated people, you don't have to wear masks in that group inside. Right. They basically said that, you know, once you get vaccinated, you can resume your old activities. You don't have to wear a mask. You can stay six feet. Uh, you can stay within six feet of your other, you can, you can get within six feet of others, and this can be done inside. You know, they, they say you should still wear a mask and stay apart in certain areas that require it, um, like federal or state or tribal or local uh, places that require it or local businesses and workplace guidance. But the vast majority of places that allow it, you're allowed to not wear masks anymore. This has brought up some controversy. Some people believe that this was done as only a political move or that there wasn't much science in this, and that maybe this is too soon. Why couldn't have they have waited maybe a few more weeks or even a few more months until the vaccination rates were higher? What's interesting about these new mask mandates is they shift the responsibility uh, of wearing a mask from an institution or a business or regulators to the individual. So before you know the new the new guidance, you a business had to enforce masks in their store. They had to you know say you have to wear a mask. Um, local local courts or local buildings, local uh, you know city buildings had to enforce mask mandates. Now it's become people have to enforce them on themselves. You know businesses aren't going to go say you have to wear a mask. People have to say people are going to have to say, well, I'm not vaccinated. I'm not fully vaccinated. I have to wear a mask. It shifts the responsibility from the, the institution to the individual. And personally, I don't trust the individual nearly as much. Um, because I believe a lot of people who don't support masks or may, may think COVID is, you know, not, not as big as it seems or is not as bad as it seems or like the flu. Um, people who may not know all the facts are not going to wear masks because nobody's making them. Right. And this brings up the question, can we trust people? A lot of people don't trust people, like Josh has said. And I also might not be so trustworthy of everyone. A lot of people who haven't been wearing masks this whole time, I don't think are the people who are that trustworthy. I don't know if I would trust them to, to be completely honest about uh, whether they've got their vaccine or not. There are definitely going to be a lot of people who have got their first vaccine and say, oh, you know, I'm fully vaccinated or have got both their vaccines but haven't waited the two-week period after their second vaccine. So it really now kind of brings up the idea of how do we trust people? Can we go around without wearing masks? If we don't wear a mask but you are fully vaccinated, do you seem like, you know, you're an anti-vax or you're an anti-masker? Do you seem rude? It's kind of like going against our morals over the past year. You know, we've gotten so used to wearing masks, it feels so weird taking them off now. And businesses have had to make a lot of these decisions. 
you know, if you're a business owner, do you make people wear masks in your store or not? Do you trust them if they're, you know, to be fully vaccinated and not wearing a mask? Many businesses don't. Notably, Home Depot um, is where making all customers wear masks. This is, you know, contrary to some other stores like Walmart, who may not be ma- making all customers wear masks. Um, so it comes down to the business and what they see and what they deem is appropriate for their business. And every business is different, right? Every, some businesses will be more packed than others. Um, restaurants may be different. If they're sitting indoors or outdoors may be different. Every business is different. Each business is going to have to determine their laws based on what's best, honestly, for their businesses and to make the most money. Um, and with most businesses, that's easing mandates in their stores. This brings up our last conversation point, And that comes down to where did this virus start? And all this started, we thought it came from an animal market and it came from some sort of bat or some sort of animal that transmitted to a human. But over the past, few, over the past year, there have been theories that it originated in the lab in Wuhan. And now President Biden has prescribed to some of these theories and thinks that there might be some val- validity in them. And so he's opened up a vis- an investigation into the origins of the virus, where to come from, and could this have potentially been a leaked virus that was uh, created in a lab in China. Right. And and there's some evidence, um, not sure evidence, you know, we can't jump to any conclusions yet, but there was an interesting case in China um, about in November of 2019, right when the virus was supposedly coming out, there were three scientists who worked at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is the lab that people are thinking it came from, there are three scientists there that got the flu or flu-like symptoms. And people are saying, well, how could three scientists at a lab get this, you know, get these symptoms that are very similar to COVID symptoms? There is, there are many people who think, well, maybe these people had COVID early on and they didn't know about it. But in a, in a city of 11 million people, during flu season, during November flu season, can we really jump to conclusions about where this virus came from? No, we cannot. Um, but obviously, the Biden administration is looking into it a little more, and they're no longer recognizing the World Health Organization's official, you know, opinion on it, which is that it came from bats at, at the at the at an animal market. They say, well, the World Health Organization didn't have enough evidence to make that claim. Um, so they're 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 not really recognizing a formal opinion right now. They're going to make their decisions based on further evidence to come. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see what Biden's uh, new team finds. But that ends this week's episode. This week's episode of the Young Perspective. Make sure to check us out every single week. And we're actually going to have to cut back on our episodes starting this summer. Josh and I are both going to camp, and we have pretty busy summers, so we're only going to be uploading every two weeks. Don't worry, we're still going to be there. And after the summer, we're going to be back to every week. So it's going to be great. Don't worry, you're still going to get your bi-weekly dose of the Young Perspective. Thank you, you everybody, for listening. And this was The Young Perspective.